Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. I'm going to preach a message tonight I hope is an encouragement to you and will help our church as a whole, as a church family, as a unit in this area specifically of giving to missions, of sacrificing for missions. Look at Luke chapter number 12, verse 13 with me. And one of the company said unto him, Master, talking to Jesus, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Can you imagine that? Somebody going to Jesus and with a family dispute over an inheritance. Look at verse 14. And he said unto him, man, who made me judge or, or a divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he what? Possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow, what's the next word? My fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up, for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool. Let's read that phrase together. Ready, begin. But God said unto him, thou, what a powerful statement. This night, thou, thy soul shall be required of thee, and, the, and whose shall those things be which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Jesus ends the parable. He says to his disciples and explains, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. That's a Bible word for clothes. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Verse 25. And which of you, which of you taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? And if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory, in all his wealth was not arrayed like one of these. And then God said, and then, if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek, and your Father knoweth what ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, read the next part with me, ready to begin? There will your heart. As we come to the end of the conference, I want to make a clear call 
a crystal clear call to every member, regular attender. Maybe you watch online. Maybe you've never been before, but you want to be involved. I want to make a call for us to join in this great missions program of Central Valley Baptist Church. When you join a missions program here, you get to be a part of 77 individual, hand-selected, verified, fruitful, amazing mission works. Some are families with husbands and wives and children, just like the families, the wonderful families we have here. Some are missionaries to military. Some are Bible colleges that are training more missionaries. Some are uh, uh, go to prisons and some uh, are Christian camps. These are all ministries we give to for one purpose, and that is for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can be a part of that. I said, you can be a part of that. Don't let this go over your head tonight. Don't let this go over your head at home. You can be a part of a missions program. And I encourage you to listen carefully tonight to the message. Not because it's me, but because I believe if you're wondering what can I do or what should I do, if you pray right now and you ask God, God, speak to my heart and show me what I am supposed to do, I believe that God will direct you. Many tonight have already been a part of Faith Promise Missions for many years. My encouragement to you tonight is to stay in missions giving. Don't quit. Stay in it. If you're a current missions giver, thank you for your commitment to Faith Promise. Each and every time you give, by God's grace, our church this last year was able to give upwards of $12,000 a month every single month. That may not be as much as some churches, but that's a huge blessing. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Every month, by Faith Promise, and as your pastor... And fellow missions giver, I believe this year, listen to me carefully, I believe this year with this COVID-19 stuff and all this stuff, the pressure on churches and all the crazy things that we've seen around the world, our response can either be a response of fear or our response can either be a response of faith. And we can respond in faith and say, God, no matter what's going on in the world, I'm going to increase my missions giving. And all God's people said, Amen. So let's have a word of prayer tonight as I preach a message. Don't be a barn builder. Don't be a barn builder. Invest for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you help me tonight as I preach this pastoral message, Lord, to help us as a church. Lord, we want to give more. And Lord, I understand tonight there are people here living paycheck to paycheck. I understand that none of us here tonight are rich, Lord. We, we give because, Lord, we believe in missions God, give us faith, strengthen our faith tonight, Lord, and help us to recognize, Lord, that we have an eternity to live, and life here is short. So, Lord, may we invest all that we can while we have time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This passage that we just read, Luke chapter number 12, is a powerful, powerful scripture. Jesus strips down the condition of our hearts in the area of wealth and finances. He sums up this challenge in verse 15. Look at verse 15 with me. He says unto them, take heed, beware of what, church? Covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things he possesseth. That statement is 100% against our human nature. It's also against our American culture. Because in our nature and in our culture, my worth, my significance, my life is completely connected to the abundance of my possessions. But may I remind you tonight, 
that this is not a human being talking. It's the King of Kings. It's the Lord of Lords. The creator of the entire universe is giving us this instruction. It would seem that the goal of our Savior in this passage with this parable is to help us reprogram our fleshly thinking, to reprogram the way that we desire, the way that we look at our possessions. I believe in our flesh, we look at possessions the wrong way. And Jesus is trying to help us with this here. Like much of his communication, he uses parables to wrap up, uh, to help us to wrap our brains around the concepts that he's given us. So tonight, in the spirit of missions, I want to bring out of this parable four illusions that we fall for that, that keep us building barns in our life. We, we, we don't need to be barn builders. And I'll explain why these illusions cause us to be barn builders instead of investing in eternity. The first illusion I see, number one here, is the illusion of power. Look at verse 16, and notice this. I thought this was very interesting. It says, the ground of a certain man brought forth plentifully. Now, I don't know if you underline or highlight things, but I would highlight or underline the word ground there. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. This last year, my wife and I tried to plant corn. Anybody here ever tried to plant corn? Anybody? Okay. So we tried to plant. So here's what we did. We got the land ready. We, we, we dissed the field up. We got all the weeds out. I got my tractor. I, I, I plowed furrows. I went and I spent money on, on drip lines. I made sure it was correct. My wife researched the distance of the corn. We found the proper seed. We went out there. If you've ever planted corn seed by hand, it's a lot of work. You plant all this corn seed and then we, we got timers and we made sure it was all correct. And we, we watched our corn grow. We got excited. It got about this high, knee high by July. We were excited about the corn. Man, I was a farmer. I was excited. The corn starts growing and then the corn starts getting ripe and, and the corn starts to, to come to, to fruition. And you know, we got, we got a bunch of these weird little corn things. And some of them were short. Some of them, we got some good ones. We got some good ones, but some of the, they're missing corn on one side and, and it just didn't turn out the way we wanted the corn to turn out. Here's the thing. We did everything that we could. We did everything right according to corn growing, and we did all that stuff. We, 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 we made sure that we put the right watering system in. We planted it. We watered it. I worried about it. I watched the corn. But at the end of the day, there was nothing I could do to get that corn to grow because corn comes out of the ground, and God causes things to grow. Let's not forget that. We have this strange illusion, I, I think especially in our American mindset, we have this strange illusion that we have power over our lives, power over our wealth, power over our health, power over what happens in our life. After all, I have a dream. I'm going to go for it, make it happen in this parable. This is an agrarian society. Crops were extremely important. And the Bible says that the ground of this rich man brought forth plenty. This gave this man that the ground brought forth, it gave him a false sense of power. He was able to make it grow, but it wasn't him that caused the crops to grow. It was the ground. It was the sun. It was the rain. It was all of these processes controlled by God. God is the one that controls the process. So here's what I got out of that. We must remember not to forget that the fountain of blessings that we drink from every day do not flow from us. The fountain of blessing flows from the reservoirs of God's goodness. 
If God is blessing your life, don't you think for one second it's because of you, because it's not. God can open the faucet and pour more blessings upon your life, or he can close the faucet and cause the blessings to cease. However you take it, God is the one who controls all of that, not me and not you. We do not have the power. So the flow of blessing in your life today is completely controlled by the power of God. Your last paycheck, your health, your job, your family, the good times you experience, your home, your car, every blessing you have is by the power of God. Satan wants us to believe in this illusion that somehow we have power over our success, that somehow we have power. But what does Jesus say? Skip down to verse 24 of our chapter. What does he say? Consider the ravens. They don't plant or reap. They don't have storehouses or barns, but God feedeth them. How much better are ye than these birds? Notice what he says next. He says, can you with one thought add? You can't, we can't, with one thought, we can't do anything. We can't add to our stature one cubit. If ye then, notice what he says, not able to do that thing, which is what? Least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, he says. They toil not, they spin, uh, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon, in all of his majesty, in all of his, uh, his wealth, was not arrayed like one of these. God clothes the grass. God takes care of the raven. Jesus says, you don't have power over any of these things. You don't have power over the least, much less the rest. So trust in God. I think sometimes people have a hard time giving to God because they don't trust God. They think, I, I can't do that. I, if I do that, or I can't, I don't want to, and we don't trust God. But the truth is, is that God is the one. Listen, your boss is not the one who opens the, the floodgates of blessing. Your boss will lay you off or fire you tomorrow. God's the one who opens it and closes it. So trust him with your wealth, with your life, with your health, with your family. Don't trust something else, trust in God. I see the illusion of power, but next, number two, I see the illusion of possession. Look at verse 17. Look at this rich man. He, he, uh, he's having a good time, man. He's, he, he, he had a bumper crop that year. And look at verse 17. He says, and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? You see the consideration because I have no room. And I, I found this part interesting where to bestow my fruits. We just learned a few minutes ago that the ground brought forth everything. It wasn't in his power. God blessed him with that plenty, but yet he refers to everything he has as his. We see the, Ill, we see the illusion of possession. We get a glimpse into the internal dialogue of this man. What shall I do? Where will I put all of this? Where will I put my fruits? And I have to remind myself often that nothing in my life belongs to me. That was a good place to say amen right there. Nothing in my life belongs to me. I said, nothing in my life belongs to me. Nothing. It all belongs to God. My wife, my kids, my health, any two cents I have to rub together, all of that belongs to God. The other day, I took Callum to Rayleigh's. And, uh, you know, you know, the last, how many last borns are in the room tonight? Where's the last borns at? Where you at? Where you at? Go on, raise your hand. You're, don't be ashamed of it. You know, you get everything you want. I took my, I took my son Callum to the grocery store and, and he starts, you know, he starts in with the candy daddy candy, you know, all that stuff. So I got him a bag of 
jelly belly jelly beans. I mean, like jelly belly jelly beans. Ronald Reagan liked them. It's good enough for me. Amen. So jelly belly jelly beans. And I got him the bag of jelly beans and uh, bought it for him. Of course, it was like $15 for a bag of jelly belly jelly beans because they're made in America. But anyway, so I got him those jelly beans. We got in the car. We're, we're driving home. And uh, he's back there. He's eating the jelly beans. And uh, so sweet. He just said, he goes, Dad, he goes, if you want, I can let you have one of my jelly beans. <laughs> he goes, I can let you have one of my jelly beans. I said, okay, buddy. He gives me a jelly bean. And he goes, it's pretty good, isn't it? He goes, that's all you're going to get. <laughs> and then I started thinking, man, that was pretty sweet. He shared his jelly beans. And I started thinking, wait a minute. I'm the one that bought the jelly beans. Isn't that how we are with God sometimes? We look at our paycheck, which I'm sure you look at your paycheck and think, that's not enough. But you look at your paycheck and you start to ask yourself the same question this man asked. What am I going to do with my goods? What am I going to do with my paycheck? What am I going to do? And so even though God gives us the health and God gives us the strength and God provides the skill and God gives us the opportunity and the safety and all of these things that we take for granted every day, we still look at what we have and we say, what am I going to do with all my stuff? My stuff, it's mine. When we should realize that nothing that we have belongs to us. Our possessions are not really our possessions. It's an illusion. So what does God expect from me? What does he expect from you? Go to verse 33. Look at what Jesus says. I don't like this verse. Neither do you. Sell that ye have and give alms. Why? Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. And treasure where? In the heavens that fail not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. You know the verse out of Matthew. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moss and rust doth corrupt, where thief breaks through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor thief break through nor steal, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, Jesus oftentimes would use the black and white. He would use the opposite. He would say, if you're going to love me, you have to hate your father, your mother. He didn't mean to literally go home and hate your father and hate your mother. What he's saying is your love for me should be so great and so uh, wonderful in comparison that it looks like hate when it when it's compared to your father or your mother. This is what he's saying here. I don't believe Jesus is saying go home and sell everything that you have. But what he is saying here is that recognize that everything that he gives us belongs to him. And the more that we keep for ourselves, the more that we spend on ourselves, the more that we do for ourselves, it will wax old. It will perish along with this world. It will burn. But what he's saying is he's saying, listen, instead of investing so much into this temporary, instead of investing so much in the barns, instead of doing all these things for ourselves, now invest in eternity. Invest in something that's going to last forever. Jesus is trying to help us. He's trying to help us recognize God has the first right of refusal on all of my possessions. My dad, when, uh, when he was a youth pastor, I remember him telling this story. Somebody donated, I don't know if it was a couch, I think it was a couch to the church or something. And they donated this old, nasty, ratty couch and then went out and bought a new couch for themselves. I'm not against people donating used things to the church. My name's Jimmy. I'll take what you give me. And, and all God's people said amen to that, right? I mean, we, we, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. But sometimes we, we give God the, the used. Why is that? We give God the second best. I know this goes against our American mentality. 
But we give God, but the truth is he has first right of refusal on everything I own. Now I'm going to encourage you in just a moment, but let me just park it here for a second. Everything I own is God's. Everything. Everything. Is not the world wrapped up in the illusion of possessions? I'm reminded of the Dust Bowl in the 1920s when the stock market, Black Friday, the stock market crashed. Men were killing themselves. They'd rather die than lose all of their possessions. Jesus said, that's not life. Life is not wrapped up in the abundance of things that we have. It's mine. It's my house. It belongs to me. No, it doesn't. It's an illusion. Let me give you number three. I see the illusion of plans. Look at verse 19. Notice what the man says. I love this dialogue. And I'll say to my soul, soul, (laughs) thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. And God said unto him, say it with me, church, thou, you're a fool. Why? This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Do you realize that this man, according to this parable here, this man never even got to build these barns. He was still in the planning stage. I know what I'll do. I'll build some barns. He was still thinking about it. He was still writing it down on a napkin. He was still in the planning stage. He didn't even get to experience building the barns much less experiencing one day of enjoying what was in the barns. God said, thou fool. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's don't make any plans, amen? But Jesus is referring to this fool. Why? Not because he was rich, not because his his land brought forth many. God blesses people. He does. He gives people certain things. But he was a fool because he bought into the illusion that he could control his future because he had money because he had possessions. He could control. He had the power. He had the illusion that he could make plans into the future. And the truth is tonight that we cannot plan the future. I said, we cannot plan the future. I'm not against investing in in retirement. I'm not against those things. You got to be wise about those things. All I'm saying is this, we have no control over what's going to happen. I was talking brother, brother Greg back here, and we were talking about New Zealand. New Zealand's one of the most popular places for uber rich people to buy bunkers. If something goes bad, you know, they're going to go there. And I'm thinking, if something goes bad, you ain't getting a flight over there. (laughs) Brother Greg and his wife are going to stay in your bunker. Amen. And so, you know, we, you know, I'm not against being prepared. My family, we do those things. You want to be prepared for emergencies and things. I'm not against all that. I'm just saying we cannot. We have the illusion of control. Like, like we are able, uh, we are able to manipulate the future uh, for whatever uh, with, with, with means or whatever. This man was a fool because he thought, because I got this, this extra bumper crop and because I'm going to build some barns, I will be able to provide myself for the future. When God says, why are you doing that? You're going to die tonight. It would have been much better if you would have invested in eternity. We cannot plan the temporary, but we can provide for eternity. You and I, we don't know what's going to happen to America. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We might as well invest in something. We might as well invest in something that we know is going to pay off. And that's eternity. And all God's people said, amen. If you believe in the Bible and if you believe that it's true and you believe that uh, when people get saved, they go to heaven, if you believe in all those things, you might as well invest in that. This is why Christians shouldn't gamble. 
This is why Christians shouldn't get involved in risky pyramid schemes and these things. When God blesses you with money, don't squander it. Invest it into eternity. You see, God does bless people. Amen? If you don't know that, if you don't know that we're blessed in America, you need to take a missions trip. We are so blessed beyond, even the poor in our country are more blessed than most. I mean, when, when kids are coming on our bus routes with brand new Nikes and, 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 and with iPhone 11s, and, and I'm just telling you right now, we're blessed. And God does that. Why? Not so that we can build barns, but so that we can invest in eternity. Imagine with me, one day you go to the doctor and you find out you have cancer. Imagine that it's inoperable. You're going to die. I don't know about you, but if I was in a doctor's office and I was told that I had cancer and I, told, and I was told that it was inoperable, I would ask this question, how long do I have? I want to know. And imagine with me that you were given six months to a year to live. For most people, this would drastically change their value of time. You would no longer measure your life in years or decades, but moment by moment, minute by minute, conversation by conversation. Every day would be a deliberate choice. Every moment would be a, a well-thought-out plan. Why? Because time is short. You know how much time you have. You, you don't know for sure if you're going to make it even six months. And so every day would be a, a very careful investment of your time. Let me ask you a question. If you knew you had six months to live, would you go build a barn? That's why God calls this man a fool. Because he was going to die that night. And he's thinking about building barns. The illustration for us tonight Look at what Jesus says, verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich for God. And he said unto his disciples, therefore I say unto you, Jesus gives this illustration of the rich man. He wraps it up in verse 21. This is the same way. If, you, if you're, you're like this rich man, if you lay up treasure for yourself, and then he turns to his disciples and imagine you're sitting there with his disciples, and he's talking directly to you. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or for the body, what you shall put on. Life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Too many Christians are building barns and storing up more and more, and building more barns and storing up more and building more barns, and storing up more, making plans, uh, so many plans for the future, and all of these things. And I, like I said, I'm not against, there's things in Proverbs about investing your money and taking care of your kids. I'm not talking about that, but just heaping to ourselves more, and heaping to ourselves more, and heaping to ourselves more, when there's a world that's dying and going to hell, and there's missionaries who are traveling for two, two and a half years trying to get support out of churches so they can go tell them about Christ, and we're just heaping to ourselves more, and I'm not trying to make us feel guilty tonight. I'm just saying, this is what Jesus is talking about. Thou fool. You see, God gives some plenty, but it's not to build barns. It's to invest in eternity. I'm so thankful. We have such a, an amazing church. There's people in this church that God has blessed, and they invest in eternity. They do. And it's so encouraging. And if you ask them, do you regret investing what God has blessed you with? They'll tell you without hesitation, I don't regret one cent investing in eternity. You see, God blesses us so that we can invest in eternity. A life spent for eternity is a rich life. I think this is what Jesus is saying. A life spent for eternity is a rich life, 
and a life spent for earthly is a poor life. Lastly tonight, as we come to the point of the conference where we commit to give and we think about giving, we see the need, we felt the conviction, I felt it with you. We're getting ready to fill out our card and take a step of faith. We see this illusion of power that we don't want to fall into the trap that we can control. And we see this illusion of possessions. It's not ours, it's God's. We see this illusion of plans. We cannot control the future. We see this last illusion. I hope it's an encouragement to you. Look at verse 29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. So I think that Jesus is looking at his disciples, the ones he just told to sell everything. And they're thinking, wait a minute, if I sell everything, I won't have anything. And so imagine they're having this conflict in their heart. Well, I can't do that if I sell everything. And Jesus is comforting them. Look at verse 29. He says, don't be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations seek after. And notice this, and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. How many of you recognize tonight that God knows what you need? More so than even you know what you need. He knows. He sees our needs. It's not that he's just requiring from us and taking from us. No, no, no. He sees our needs. He wants to meet our needs. Look at verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And these things, what? What does it say, church? They'll be added unto you. Let me give you this last thought here. And I think this is a thought that Satan tries to put in our minds. The illusion of poverty. You see, we get this illusion that if we give, we're not going to have. If we commit to missions, if we give our tithe, we won't have that, that extra money. We won't have that extra tithe. Let me tell you something. That's an illusion. I don't know. And I'm just going to be very transparent here for a second. I don't know why I ever worry about giving to God, <laughs> but I do. Don't look at me like that, like you've never worried about giving to God. I don't know why I worry about it. Every year, my wife and I, like you, we pray about missions. We pray about our missions commitment. Sometimes we commit to give more than others, but we try our best to increase every year. That's what faith promise mission is. You increase your faith every year and you ask God to help you with that. I wish I could stand here and tell you that I have this incredible faith and, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, God gives me a number in my spaghettios and I just give it and, and it works out every time. I wish I could stand here and tell you that, but that's just not the truth. Can I admit to you today that every time we put that number on the card, I get a little bit nervous. It's a step of faith. And, and just to be very transparent, sometimes I have this illusion that if I give that, I'm not going to have that. That if I make that commitment, I may not be able to pay my bills. Or if I give that commitment, I may not have enough at the end of the month, or we may not be able to take that vacation. But I have this, this, uh, this thought in my mind that God is going to take that from me. And, 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 and even if he did, that'd be okay. And all God's people said, he doesn't, he doesn't, I, we don't give in, re, in, in, in expectation, expectation of return, but somehow we get nervous and, and I do too. And I make that mistake, but every year goes by every single year and God miraculous, miraculously shows me every time that I commit to give, he blesses more every time. And even though I think in my mind I'm sacrificing, and the truth is I'm not, even though in my mind uh, I think I'm, I'm taking this step, God says, I'm going to bless you even more. How many of you have learned that in your life? 
Malachi chapter number three gives us a very uh, amazing promise out of this illusion of building barns. And, and listen, I want you to catch this promise. Malachi chapter number three, verse 10. He says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourers for your sake and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed. Why? Because you took a step of faith and you gave to me. God says, go ahead, see if you can outgive me. You go ahead. Listen, church family, you go ahead and you try. You just try to outgive God. Give it a shot. See if you can outbless God. God says, I dare you. And in my mind, sometimes I get nervous. Oh, why? God says, I'll show you a thing or two. If you trust me, I'll bless you so much. They can't manufacture a container big enough if you trust in me. The more I give, the more he blesses. The more I give, the more he blesses. Let me say that again. You can say amen to that. The more I give, the more he blesses. I, I, can't, I can't outdo him. I give him a spoonful. He gives me a shovel. I almost feel bad when I give to the Lord sometimes because he gives me a shovel back. Anybody else feel like that besides me? You give him, he gives it back. I'm just telling you, and it may not necessarily be financial things, but it's blessings, blessings. Jesus said, he promises, verse 31, we need to turn our attention off of the barn. I said, we need to get our attention off of the barn. Stop focusing so much on the barn. Seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. God says, listen, it's really tonight isn't about how much, if you give $5 a week, $1 a week, it's not about how much you give. If you will turn your attention from building the barns in your life, say, God, I'm going to seek your kingdom first. I'm going to, I'm going to put you first in my life. I'm going to, in every area, in my finances, in my devotion time, in my daily walk, in my family, in my church attendance, if I'm, if I just put my attention on you, God says, if you put your attention on me, if you focus on me, I will take care of the rest. But the problem is you and I, we get nervous about this over here. So we focus on the barns and the kingdom of God is over here somewhere on the back burner. It's not the way it should be. And then I love verse 32 and I'll, I'll stop. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what about you tonight? Are you going to keep building barns, bigger barns, and tear it down and build another barn and tear it down and build another one? Or will you learn and will I learn to continue to invest in eternity? Because remember, we have no power. He has all the power. We don't own anything. He owns everything. We don't get to decide what happens tomorrow. He's in control of that too. So don't be a fool. Quit building barns and help build the kingdom of God. Let's pray together tonight.